Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving. Get enough food. It's like Thanksgiving starts like the month of just feasting. And then usually at the beginning of the year, we have a fast. So you can load up now on the calories before the fast comes in January because it's coming. For those that are wanting to join with us, we will be doing a fast. Uh, So welcome to Authentic Church. As my wife said, we're all about loving God, loving people, and living authentic. Uh, We are a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. So we base our life on the teachings of Christ and base our life on what is found in the Bible, not what's popular in culture. Uh, We base our life on the tried and true Word of God that never fails. Uh, And God is doing new things, but He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a sure thing that you can put your foot on. You can stand on His Word. His Word is true. And so that is our foundation for who we are as a church and how we live and how we uh, approach our Sunday mornings here at Authentic Church. Uh, We're all about the Spirit of God moving. We believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that when Jesus took His place at the right hand of the Father, the greatest gift that could have been given to us as believers and to the church was dispersed, and that is the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus took his place, the Holy Spirit was released to take his place in the life of the believers in the church. So we're a spirit-empowered church, and we're presence-driven. We're not driven by the programs of men. We don't want to just sing some songs, hear a word with three points, and go home, okay? We want to encounter God. His presence is what we're hungry for, because really a moment in his presence, it can change our life forever. How many of you have ever been touched in the presence of God, and you would say, hey, God did more in that moment in his presence than a thousand sermons did? right and we know we know this is true because it's about relationship god is about relationship you you probably couldn't quote to me the last 10 sermons that i preached i could barely quote the last 10 sermons i preached okay but i could tell you the names of 10 individuals who poured in and touched my life and same with you and god is a relational god and he wants to touch you today he wants to meet you wherever you're at uh, some of you, you might have walked in today and you're maybe questioning your faith. Maybe you're asking some questions. Lord, where are you in this? You're seeking answers. Good news for you. You don't have to check your mind at the door when you come to Jesus. Quite the contrary. He loves it when you ask him questions because he's got incredible things that he wants to share with you. And so I want to encourage us this morning as we go into the, the, the sermon time and the preaching of the word to lean in and be asking the entire time, When I'm preaching, be asking yourself, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me in this moment? There's so many times where uh, I, you know, I've been serving Jesus now for 23 years. So I've been living for him longer than I was living without him. And so I've been living for Jesus longer than I've been, than I lived without him. And so many times in the service and the sermons and my pastor getting up and sharing a message and telling the jokes that I've heard him tell before and the stories of faith that I've heard him tell many times, I would still lean in and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? What's something, what's a nugget that you have for me today? today to be able to chew on that's going to nourish my soul. And so I just want to encourage us to lean into that. You know, God is building his church and you get to be part of that. And we're continuing. We're in week three of our series on legacy, uh, living in light of eternity. That we're living our lives not just for ourselves, but we're really asking the question, Lord, what is the legacy that you would have 
me live. A legacy isn't something you just leave behind. A legacy is actually something you and I live. You're, you're passing on a legacy no matter what. You might as well make it a good one, <laughs> right? You're passing on a legacy no matter what. You might as well leave a good one. Uh, you know, God is building his church and he's drawing people to himself. I, it just blows my mind the stories that I hear of people that were far from God that were coming to new life in Christ. For many of you walking in this church this morning might have felt like that was a miracle in and of itself, that the building didn't collapse. You're okay, all right? We walked into church to all of us. It's a miracle you're even alive. Like, you, you, you are not some cosmic coincidence. Your parents might not have planned you. It might have been a surprise to them. <laughs> but you were no surprise to God. Before God formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. To everything else that he created, he spoke. But to you, he formed. He took you and he formed you with his own hands, with his thoughts, ideas. And he put things inside of you. You were created in his image. You were created on purpose. And you were created for a purpose. And part of the fun, exciting things of life is really discovering and watching those purposes unfold. You know, my purpose when I was single looked a lot different than it does now with five kids and two grandbabies, okay? My purpose in different areas look a lot different. Relationship looks a lot different with my kids than it did when, it, when they were first born. When they were first born, you know, they come out immature. Life is all about them, right? When you're a baby, life is all about you. You're pooping everywhere. You're always hungry. Sometimes you're happy. Uh, sometimes you cry. We don't even know why you're crying, but we're carrying you anyway, right? And then you grow in maturity. And, and when it comes to life, I've really found that spiritual maturity is where you can carry a prophetic word longer than Monday. You can carry a prophetic word past one week. You could carry a prophetic word that God spoke in your life 20 years ago, and you'll be walking it out today. And many of us are in this room, you'd say, you know what? The prophetic words somebody gave me when I first got saved, I'm seeing it fulfilled now before my eyes. I'm seeing those prophetic words. So I just want to encourage you, hold on to that. Hold on to those prophetic words, the things that have been spoken over your life. And if you're here and you're saying, I don't know that anything's been spoken over my life, I would disagree with you. If you open the Bible, there are many things that God himself has spoken over your life. And I'd be honored to introduce you to some of those things this morning. So we're in the middle of this series, Legacy, Living a Life Beyond Ourselves. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a truth that was so evident to me this past week. And it's this, life is short, eternity is real, and people matter most. Life is short, eternity is real. Like, it's going to happen. It is happening. And people matter most. So if life is short, it begs the question, what am I going to do with the time that I have been given? If eternity is real, it means I'm not just living for the here and now. It's not, it's, it, it's if eternity is real and that life is short and people matter most, it means I, I don't have a decision to hold a grudge against somebody that really wounded me. Why? Because life is short, eternity is real, people matter, matter most. I'm not going to sit down and be upset at this person, how they hurt me and how they treated me. No, I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to move past that. People matter most. If people matter most in how I'm living and how I'm spending my time, talents, and my resources, it speaks to that. Somebody said, where's your priority? All you have to do is look in your checkbook. Back when we had checkbooks. Remember balancing checkbooks? <laughs> 
if people matter most, where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my talents? And where am I giving of my resources? Our key scripture text that we've been uh, spending time in has been in 1 Chronicles 28. And it's the story of David passing the baton to his son. And it's ushering in a new era. And he's literally passing over a legacy. And he tells him, I want you to remember these four things, my son. I want you to make sure that you live knowing God. He says, I want you to know the God of your father. David's saying, I want you to know God the way I know him. That I, 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 it's not a matter of knowing God based on a position that, or a title that you have, Solomon. It's a matter of knowing God when you're all alone and you're out in the pastures where you think nobody's there, God is there. I want you to know him intimately like I know him. He says, and I want you to serve him wholeheartedly. Why? Because in serving God and worshiping him, you get to know more about him. And in serving and giving and being generous with our time, talents, and resources, those are the moments when we're actually most like God because God is a generous God. And then he says to him, Solomon, I want you to seek him and he will be found. And that word seek, when you translate it, it actually means to create a well-worn path. I want you to seek him. I want you to create a well-worn path into his presence. And then he charges him with this. He says, I want you to consider it now. In other words, take this seriously, Solomon. I don't want you sitting back and resting. I want you to take this seriously, and I want you to be strong and do the work. With the word, when we hear the word legacy, a lot of things can come to mind. It really boils down to kind of two main areas of the definition. Legacy can be defined as what we invest in and build with our lives that will be passed on to others. That's one definition of legacy. What we invest in and what we build with our lives will be passed on to others. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you right there. The second area, legacy is the imprint and the impact of our lives that will outlive us. The imprint and the impact of our lives that will outlive us. And I love how David says, I want you to know God intimately. And, and, and there's seven characteristics, traits that I wrote down here, traits of people that really know God. Like when I think of people that ran a good race in their life, when I look at people that, that lived with a legacy mindset, they lived beyond themselves, there's seven key areas that I would say would be a characteristic or a trait that was common amongst those people. Number one, they had a sacrificial love for others. This is those that know God intimately that live for legacy. They had a sacrificial love for others that exceeds convenience. How many know love is inconvenient at times? When you're loving and you're taking care of those babies and changing those diapers, that blowout happens at the most inconvenient of times, okay? They have a lifestyle of generosity. Some of the wealthiest people that, that I've ever met, and I've been fortunate to meet a few incredibly wealthy individuals that were godly men and women, and they lived open-handedly. And it wasn't when they had a lot. They lived open-handedly when you and I would say, wow, you had a little. Wow, they could barely pay their rent. Wow, they, they were getting their car repossessed. They still lived open-handedly. They lived generously. Number three, they had a life of faith where they were believing for more, living in a bigger world. I love it in Proverbs 24, or Proverbs 11, excuse me, in the message, it actually says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Number four, 
those that know God intimately, they have a love for his church and the bride. You know, you, you might come up to me after service and be like, man, Pastor, that was a great message. That changed my life. I love you. I love this church. It's incredible. But if you said, man, I really like you, Pastor, but ooh, Fawn, can't stand her. Bro, I'm telling you, we are not going to be friends, okay? And if somebody says, man, I love God, but I can't stand his church, I know what they mean. They mean they can't stand some of the people and the religiosity that's happened in the political games that they've seen take place in the ugliness of church. I get that. But to say that you don't love the bride, that'd be a smack in God's face. And I'm telling you, you don't want to be on that side of the coin, okay? So we have, they have a love for his church, the bride. Generous people that know God, they, they love mercy and cry for justice, and they have a heart for the nations. They understand that the nation that we have is blessed. You know that America, and despite all of the ugliness at times in America, our country has been the most generous nation that has literally poured millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into foreign missions to see the gospel go around the world because of the freedoms that we have in America as a blessed nation. They have a heart for the nation. And then the, the seventh one, there's a longing for heaven. There's something inside of them that says, man, this life is great, but it pales in comparison to the eternity that I'm going to have in knowing Jesus. Life is short, eternity is real, and people matter most. And so in, in our series, it's going to culminate next weekend. We're actually going to have a legacy offering. And three times a year as a church, we're going to have a special offering time. And it's taken out of actually the book of Deuteronomy and, and uh, the, the festivals that God instituted, the rhythms of offerings and the rhythms of generosity that God instituted where the men were required three times a year to come and present an offering to the Lord. So they would have it where they would have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, then they would have the Feast of Weeks, and then in the fall they would have the Feast of Tabernacles. And they would come and they would present an offering to the Lord. So at Authentic Church, the first offering that we give, the first offering of the year, the first monies that leaves the hands of this church actually goes to bless Israel. And that's a biblical principle. And then the second offering that we have is later in the springtime, we do a Heart for the House offering with some things that are happening at that moment in our church. And then in the wintertime, as we head into kind of the final months before the end of the year, we have a legacy offering. And in this year, we have three lanes of legacy that we've identified, and you should have received a card there on your seat. Uh, we're not going to take an offering up today. I just want you to prepare yourselves for the offering next week. And all you do is this. You just pray and obey. It's as simple as that, okay? You just pray and you obey. Whatever God would tell you to give, whatever lane of legacy he'd tell you to give into, you just give into those. And, um, and I want to highlight a certain couple in our midst, and they're going to talk about one of the lanes of generosity, evangelism, because actually there was some things that we're looking at doing in, in the evangelism track of the, the lanes of legacy that actually brought them to the church. So if you could welcome Alex and Sophia Childs up. Alex and Sophia, come on up. How you guys doing, church? <laughs> Um, yeah, so we, um, we, we were, re we're recently married, uh, six months, and, um, it was interesting when we were first, um, looking for a church to come together on, uh, we were both in two separate locations, uh, she was in Glendora, I was in Laguna area, and it was, it was an interesting kind of scenario, we were, we were kind of trying to find something, we were feeling that missing part of not having a church relationship, and, 
it was, um, it was, it's weird how the enemy kind of works into that situation saying, oh, well, you know, you, you'll, you'll get to it eventually. You'll get to it eventually. And we got to a place of being complacent or, uh, you know, just going online and, and watching, watching it on TV and that kind of thing. And I think that in our prayers, in our, in our honest, deep prayers, we wanted something way more, something that e- even I, uh, I, I can identify with you on the fact that I, I grew up in the Catholic Church, so um, worship to me looked like, you know, being in the fetal position and, you know, crying and always, and no disrespect to our, our Catholic brothers, but it, it's just, that's, that's what church was for me. And, you know, through the obedience of, of my wife, getting a random Instagram message for this church, I immediately, the man of doubt that I can very often be, I was like, no, 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 hold on a second. Put my tinfoil hat on. This is the, the Instagram is listening. And, uh, but then I thought to myself, I'm like, wait, wait a second. Why can't God use the world and, and, and the things that, that the world creates in order to bring his message to his people? So, we decided to, to come here, and let me tell you, I have never been more impacted by a church in my entire life. Every, every single one of you, this, this is what the church of Acts, the, the, Acts chapter 2 has finally was revealed to me what it was supposed to look like, you know? I, I, God, we don't serve a quiet, timid God. He's, he's, he's not quiet. I mean, he, God had... His, the, the armies of Israel send out their worship team first, you know? Like, that, 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 that's wild to me. Peter literally walked up to a person that couldn't walk and said, I don't have any money to give you, but get up and walk. Like, how bold is that? And so every time that we come into this church and we see you guys and we hear you guys uh, speaking in tongues and we hear you singing and, and giving all this glory to God, it's, it's, this is what the church is supposed to look like. This is a, a small sliver of what heaven is going to look like. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that before I came to church here. And um, it was all because of a humble, small, little three-by-four Instagram ad, right? It's a huge, that's a huge thing. And um, Fred Kropp, who was here a few weeks ago, his wife, I'm sorry, her name escapes me at the moment, but Pam, she she gave me uh, a a revelation um, that that was huge, especially for the creative aspect of the world. She said that, um, God had given her a message saying that I'm taking, I'm putting a lid on the creativity of the world, but I'm taking the, the, the lid of creativity off the church. So if everyone else in the world wants to see new creativity and new, new life in that area, come to the church and you'll see it in a big way. So I'm going to pass this over to my beautiful wife, who is the more creative of, definitely the more creative of the two of us. So hello. Um, Yeah, I think that um, I went to, I found Christianity when I was 16, went to a Christian school, um, university, and had never in all of that heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was um, shown the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was about a year ago before we had gotten married that it was all revealed to me, and then I was mad. I was like, why, why hasn't why haven't I found a church that would show this to me? Why wasn't I a part of a university that was open, openly talking about this? And then I went on this journey of finding a church that 
listened to the power of the spirit and was led by the power of the spirit and it was through an Instagram ad and then we came here and and now having the opportunity of um, being a part of the social media team and um, helping build our social media presence and serve our community through social media. It's not just a matter of building our brand, it's a matter of serving the community because we want them in the doors, we want them in here, and if social media is the way we do that, then let's pour into that. Let's make it so that they see us and are encouraged even if they don't come into this building, you know? And like, I know that for me, there's been many years of being nervous of like, I don't, I don't feel like I can do evangelism. Like, I'm not bold in that. I don't feel comfortable just walking up to somebody and saying, hey, God loves you, you know? But the truth is, is we're all evangelists. It's just, what are you evangelizing for? Are you evangelizing for a new makeup brand? Are you evangelizing for a new sweater you have? Or are you evangelizing for Christ, the savior of your, your soul? Like, what are you evangelizing for, you know? And so... That's the power of social media. That's, that's the power of this church is it led us here. And I think we've talked to plenty of other people here who have that same experience that an Instagram ad led you here, you know. And so let's, you know, let's let, continue making that the story of the church. Let's continue bringing people in here and encouraging them even if they don't come into the four walls. And Sophie, yeah. And one of the beautiful things is, you know, so Sophia and, and Alex, obviously, they, they saw something on social media, and they came here, and they, they found a home. They found a community. They found people of faith. They've grown in their faith tremendously. Uh, they have had God experiences that have transformed their, their lives and their marriage, and that's what it's all about. It, like, like Sophia said, we could care less about building a brand and getting followers. Honestly, that kind of stuff kind of makes me want to vomit. And, um, and, but, you know, there, there is an aspect of having impact, and we're able to have an impact. And so Sophia actually works in social media marketing, where she does marketing for a large brand and, and helps to build their brand week in and week out. And so in wanting to get involved and serve in the capacity of the church, she said, hey, I, could, I can jump in and I could really help you guys with your social media. And so she's bringing her gifts and talents that she's cultivating in the world, getting paid big bucks by a company to do so. And she's bringing those talents into the house of God. How many of you know when you bless God's house, he's going to bless your house, right? And so it's just been so awesome. So on the lanes of legacy that Sophia and, and Sharon and Brighton have helped to cultivate with our social media, uh, one of the things that we discovered is just for even $3 a day, we have the ability as a church to do an, an, a promotion of any post, and we could reach 1,700 people within 10 miles of our church right here. 10 miles of our church, we can reach 1,700 people that don't know Jesus, ain't going to a church. They're not thinking of Christ this morning, okay? We have the ability to reach them with creative content that's going to speak to them, tell stories, and meet them right where they're at. That we could literally publish a post, and we could put that out, and you're reaching somebody that's in an apartment building, you're reaching somebody that's in a, a sober living home, you're reaching somebody that's down the street, you're, meet, you know, you're reaching people all over this area. For just $3 a day, we can do that. Now, if you just do the quick math, then for $6 a day, you can reach 3,400 people. And for $9 a day, you can reach more people. You see where I'm going here. And so we have a lane of 
legacy there that if you feel like, man, this is pulling on my heartstrings, I want to give towards that, that may be a lane of legacy that you would choose to give in, and Sophia helps to oversee that. So anyways, thank you so much for sharing, you guys. Can we give it up for them? Thank you, guys. Love you. And the reason we're doing it, why? Because life is short, eternity is real, and people matter most. If you have your Bibles today, you can go with me uh, to Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 14. It's a free country, so you could really turn anywhere you want to turn. I'm just telling you, if you want to turn where I'm turning, go to Matthew chapter 5. five and we're just looking at a few key passages of Scripture, and we're going to camp out here, and, and I'm just going to share some things from my heart that I feel is from the Holy Spirit for us today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, famous passage of Scripture. Jesus is talking, and he's telling his followers on the famous Sermon on the Mount uh, a number of things, and then he gets down to verse 14, and he says, hey, you guys, all of you, you men, you ladies, you kids, you're the light of the world. Sometimes we sing songs about Jesus being the light of the world. You stepped out into darkness, right? You know that song? We sing these songs about Jesus being the light. He says, this is true, but you're the light. You're the light in your workplace, on that sports team. You're coaching. You're doing this, that, and the other. You're going to be the light. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you're taking notes today, the title of the message is Lamplighters. Lamplighters. Uh, back in the uh, 1800s and even up through the early 1900s, there was certain people that had a job and their job was lighting lamps in the city. They were called lamplighters. And the lamplighter would go uh, throughout the city, and they, they would, they would uh, climb up on a ladder, and they would open the, the lantern there, the, the big street light, and they would light it for all to have light as they walk across the, through the pass. And they would do this up and down the streets as dusk was approaching, and then in the morning time, they would go, and their job was to go and put the light out. But in the evening time... They would, they would go and they would light all of those lamps, the lamplighters. And even actually up until the early 1900s, this was a practice. Some of you, you might have spent Thanksgiving with older relatives. And if you had relatives that were born back in the 1920s, chances are, they, unless they were really wealthy, they did not have electricity. So the way that they, they lit their house, the way that the streets were lit was actually pretty similar to the days when Jesus spoke this message when he said, you are the light of the world. The three key areas of the light outside of the sun is they would have torches that would light the streets, and it was a, a, a mobile way to light a pathway. Then they would have lamps. The lamps would be uh, uh, lighting a larger area of the home. And then they would have candles to light more of the smaller areas. And I just want to show just three observations, thinking about legacy, and you being the light of the world. You and I being called to be the light. Three observations. Number one, light disperses the darkness. Some people curse the darkness. Some people cuss at the darkness. But you and I are called to light it up, all right? No matter what's going on in the world, we're called to be a light and light up the darkness. You know, when you go home tonight and it's dark at 5 o'clock, 
and you go in your house and you're looking for something and you're going to flip that switch on, the light is going to break up the darkness. Where the darkness huddled like an angry mob, light comes in and he breaks up that mob. Where there is light, areas where there was darkness become areas that are owned by that light. I just want you to think of that picture. You just go in and you just throw the light on and darkness flees. You're called to be the light of the world. You know, some people feel the, fear the dark. There's uh, stories of 300-pound linemen, massive NFL players, but they literally, when they travel with the team, they're known as guys that sleep in the, with the, in the dark. They sleep with the light on because they can't stand the dark. 300-pound linemen who's going to just totally, you know, crush somebody this Sunday afternoon, and they're afraid of the dark. They just can't stand it. They have a phobia about it. And, and uh, even professional athletes that you and I would admire that have done great feats, even Serena Williams, who's got a movie out about her and her sister's life right now. Uh, Serena, she, she says, I admit, I'm afraid of the dark. Why? Some people are afraid of the dark. If you're walking alone at night and you're hearing footsteps around you and it's all dark, you're kind of on red alert, right? The, back, the hairs on the back of your neck are kind of standing up. You're kind of like, who's what and where? I want to get to where I'm going quickly because I want to get out of this darkness. We're called to be people that bring the light. So when you bring the light, what are you doing? You're dispersing that darkness. You're kicking it out. Some people are controlled by fear. And it's well known, especially for you uh, counselors in the room, what people fear controls them, right? If you fear being broke, what's going to control you? You'll, be, you'll have a motivation and a drive for money, and motivation to be able to produce and provide isn't necessarily a bad thing when it's correctly aligned to the things of God. <laughs> when it's misaligned, that can be an ugly cycle when you're living to make money and never, not, no amount is ever enough. What you fear controls you. Some people are afraid of being alone. They have a fear of being alone, so they keep themselves as busy as they can with others. And when they feel that they've been looked over, that fear that they had begins to control their feelings and their emotions. Why? Because they had a fear of being alone. Where God comes in and he promises, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. God promises, I am your provider. No man is your provider. And if you think man is the provider, if you think you're the provider, I will teach you very quickly how that is not the case. Anybody ever been humbled by God in their finances? Or humbled by their own stupidity? So... I'll raise my hand, right? Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So living a life of legacy, we're ones that disperse the darkness. Where we go, we bring hope. Where we go, we bring forgiveness. Where we go, we bring faith. Where we go, we bring joy. We're not going to cave into the darkness around us in the world. We're just going to light it up, all right? Number two, second observation, light improves vision. Light improves vision. You know, one of the visions of Authentic Church and has really been a vision of Fawn and I for years and years is that we feel most alive helping you come alive. We feel our vision is to help you fulfill your vision. We feel that church needs to be an, a place of activation, not a place where you collect people and talented people and get them to do and serve different areas in the house. All that's great, and yes, we love it when we come together and we find great joy and purpose in serving, and that's awesome. But inside of you, hardwired within you, is something that God placed on your life that's going to transcend the walls of any church. It's going to take you outside of the church. And you're going to do things, and there's giftings and talents and abilities that he's placed in you, 
And there's purposes there because it's attached to the destiny on your life. And part of our vision is to help you see your vision. As lamp lighters, as torch bearers, as children of, of God, we are called to help people rediscover their vision. And a lot of times it's been dormant. Maybe you're sitting in here and there's a vision that's been burning and once was like on fire in your life where you felt like you could barely write fast enough to keep up with the books or the ideas or the inventions or the business opportunities or what you saw in terms of being an intentional parent and you barely could keep up and somewhere along the lines the pen started to write a little bit slower, the ideas came a little bit slower and it's kind of gotten dark in those areas. God wants to light those things up inside of you. He wants to restore vision to you. Legacy-minded people are those who help others see better. And the third area that I want to highlight is light provides direction. Legacy-minded people point people to Jesus. This is the way. Walk in it. They help provide direction. Your life is an epistle that everybody gets to read. What are they reading? What are you writing? There's a uh, Danish theologian, um, pastor, poet, kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy named Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, he lived back in the 1800s, and he was credited with this saying. He said, life can only be lived moving forward, but it can only be understood looking backwards. Life can only be lived moving forward, but it can only be lived or, or understood by looking backwards. And that saying was so true this week more than ever to me as we mourned the passing of a dear friend of ours. Uh, there's a woman that's been, her and her husband have been part of our church um, for uh, about nine months, Chad and Jennifer Silver. And some of you know Jennifer's story. Uh, she's been battling ovarian cancer for years. And uh, in 2019, they thought it was all done. Uh, they thought, man, we got it all. She was rejoicing. She could eat. She could keep food down. She's going around. She's ministering to other people. She's going to people's homes, praying for them. People were getting healed. Uh, she's going into people's homes and would literally pray for a healing and then discover that there's somebody in the house that didn't yet know Jesus. So then she'd tell them about Jesus, and that person would get saved. This is how she lived her life. And Monday evening at 9.47 p.m., Jennifer danced from this life into eternity. And she loved to dance. She loved to worship. She loved to sing. And in that moment, she was in the presence of Jesus. And her husband, Chad, called me. And we'd been praying, fasting, man, fighting, contending for her healing. And she was gone. And Chad said that that night he, he had tucked her into bed and and he walked out of the room, and as he walked out of the room, he was going to have some time with his mom and his sister that are visiting, and he, he thought, I need to go back in there. So he went back in, then right as he came in the room, her pulse began to slow, her breasts began to get shallow, and she passed. And he said, Jeff, when she passed, she had like this smile on her face. And he said, and I was at peace. I was at peace with it. Life is short. Eternity's real. People matter most. Man, she lived her life so full. And we could sit here and we could ask, why God? Why did this? And, and we, truth is, we don't know why. Why wasn't she healed? Nobody knows. 
And if you go down the pathway where you're cursing God and mad and questioning him constantly, I'm telling you, you could, you could, just, you could just derail your faith for years. Or the other response is, man, Lord, thank you so much for the time that I got to know Jennifer. Man, thank you so much that we met her nine months ago when her and her husband walked in here as an invitation from Eric in the back, and they met at a barbecue, and they come walking in on Easter morning in this bright, happy couple. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we got to spend time together. Thank you so much we got to have meals together. And I was sharing with Chad, and Chad's crying. He, I, he was, I was the first phone call that he made after everything happened, and we talked, and we cried, and he said, you know, Jeff, there's, as much as I'm going to miss her, part of me is jealous for my wife right now. <laughs> She's with Jesus. And man, this man served his wife in an era where men are all about themselves, in an era where it's all about me and why their wife isn't fulfilling their dreams, desires, or whatever. This man laid his life down for her. He changed her. He bathed her, carried her, fed her, took care. He was literally her full-time caregiver. That's real love. That's real love. Some of you women that are single, and you may feel a little bit in desperation saying, where are all the good men? I'm telling you, there's still some good men out there. And if you're a man and you're like, where are all the women? <laughs> be, be the man that God has called you to be and she'll come. Lamplighters. Jennifer was a lamplighter. <laughs> she could light up the room with her southern drawl and her big smile and her big blue eyes. Man, she's just so warm and loving and kind and, and just a generous, generous woman. And as I was thinking about this, this, this Sunday, my heart was kind of heavy, I'll be honest with you. It's been a heavy week going through that, celebrating Thanksgiving, and I'm on the phone with Chad. And uh, we caught up on thanks, over Thanksgiving, and I said, how are you doing, man? And uh, he says, I have my good times and moments, but it's hard. He said, you know, the other morning I woke up and I missed her so much. He goes, I just laid in her spot on the bed where she used to lay. And, and I got up and I just missed her, so I went over to the closet and I opened the closet and I just smelled her clothes and remembered what she was like. He's like, every piece of furniture in our house, you know, I think Jennifer picked that out. We, you know, we got that. And he goes, now it's go like all the conversations we've had together. I won't have those anymore. Life is short. Eternity is real. People in your life, people around us, people we pass every day, relationships we have, good or bad, people matter most. Let's be lamplighters. Light disperses darkness, it improves vision. Light provides direction. When I was chatting with Chad, uh, one of the scriptures that the Lord brought to mind is in 2 Peter, and I read it at the celebration of life service yesterday for Jennifer, and I'm going to read it to us today. And I comforted Chad with this, the scripture, just the Holy Spirit brought it to mind as we're talking, and it says this, this is for, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Peter says here, don't overlook the obvious, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. And I told Chad, I said, you know, our, our time on earth, 
It feels so long, but in light of eternity, it's so short. And when you get into eternity, eternity is forever. Eternity, the the, the space-time continuum, everything is fractured and different. We have time on earth, and it's there's, there's no time in heaven. We, our minds can't even really fathom what that's like. And I told him, I said, Chad, she's one step into eternity, which is going to feel like a long time to you and me. It's going to feel like 60, 70 years before we see her again. But to her, she's going to get there and be like, hey, Chad, look at this. And you're going to be there. And I'm going to be there. And Fawn's going to be there. And we're going to be like, wow, wow, wow. Jennifer just got one foot in before we did because one day is a thousand years. A thousand years is just one day. And it goes on to say, in the message translation, it says, God isn't late with his promises as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you. He's holding back the end because he doesn't want any one lost. You've been given a gift in the time that you've been given. You've been given a gift in the relationships that you have. And God's been holding himself back. He's restraining heaven. So badly wants to come. He so badly wants to come and move through this place. But he's holding it back, being patient with people that do not yet know him. Just think about that. He's restraining the end. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone lost. Why do we want to do what we want to do with the lanes of legacy of evangelism? Because there's stories that have yet to be written. There's miracle cards that have yet to be filled out by people that have yet to hear the good news of Jesus. And we think it's worthwhile to do anything we can by all the means that we can that some might be saved. And so we're going to do that. So for all of you that may have lost loved ones this past year, I hope you can take heart in that fact. One day is a thousand years, Tony. You're going to see your son. He got there one step before you. He's going to turn around and be like, Mom, check this out. And you're going to be there. And we're going to be there. And we're going to celebrate with them. Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says this. And Paul's writing to the Ephesians church. And I shared this yesterday at the, at the memorial service for Jennifer. Um, she's a spitfire. Uh, in her heaviest state, she was probably only 115 pounds and five foot nothing, you know. And, uh, but this girl was a fireball for Jesus, man. And I, I said, if Jennifer was here, I think she would probably share something like Paul shared to the Ephesians church. Paul said this. He said, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and I want you to walk. Better yet, I want you to run. Run on the road that God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Is there any fences that need mending in your life today? Maybe one of the fences that needs mending is your relationship with Jesus. He wasn't the one that tore down that fence. But he'll be the one to mend it. If you call on him today, 
If you need to get right in your relationship with Jesus, you're one prayer away. You're one moment away from getting, giving your life to Jesus and getting right with him. I love this quote by John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. John Wesley said, do all the good you can, by all the means that you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Isn't that good? Do all the good that you can, by all the means that you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Let's live our lives lighting up this world for Jesus. Let's be that light as he called us to be that light. Let's make the choice to be, you know what, I'm going to actually have my lifestyle align with what I truly believe. I'm actually going to have the confession of my mouth line up with what I truly believe. I'm going to have the forgiveness of my heart line up with the word of God and what I truly believe. Life is short. Eternity is real. And people matter most. God's called you to light up the darkness. Romans 1.16. And I'm going to close here in just a second. If the band could come up, that would be great. Romans 1.16 says, Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the good news. Don't be ashamed that you're a Christian. Don't be ashamed of your faith. You be bold. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Life is short. Eternity is real. We will have an eternity waiting for us. Psalms 105 verse 1. Give praise to the Lord then. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he's done. Make known. What has God done in your life? Let people know about it. Give God praise. Give Him glory. Man, God, I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for my family. I'm so thankful that I got another Thanksgiving with my parents. I'm so thankful, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Make known what He's done for you. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So I have two questions as we close today. Why do you have hope? Why do you have hope? You may be here saying, I really don't have hope. I'm going to pray with you. Jesus wants to fill you with hope. If you feel hopeless today, we're going to have a time of prayer at the altar as we close. We'll invite you to come forward. We'd love to be able to pray with you. The second question I have is, what has Jesus done in your life? legacy-minded lamplighters that you are, you'll be able to give answers to those two questions. Why do you have hope? And what has Jesus done in your life? Why do you have hope? What has Jesus done in your heart? What is this hope that you have? This hope that you found? His name is Jesus. He's taken his fire and the light, and he's given it to you. And he says, you, now you go, and you be that light. You be the light in your family. You be the light in your neighborhood. You be the light in your neighbors. You be the light with your kids. You be the light with your parents. You be the light with your cousins. You be the light with your coworkers. You go be the light. Life is short. Eternity is real. And people matter most. Let's all stand to our feet as we close today. have some communion up here. If there's anybody that would like to take communion and you need to do business with God today, 
I want to encourage you to do so. If you need prayer for anything today, we're going to have the prayer team up over on this side of the altar. Jason and Nicole. Fawn, if you could come. Miss Tony. Miss Jody, if you could come. David, thank you. We have communion over here. We're going to have prayer over here. If you need prayer for anything today, we want to agree with you in prayer. If you need prayer in your marriage, we want to agree with you. If you need prayer in your finances, we want to agree with you. If you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what? I need hope. I feel like my hope is taking a beating this week. Then we want to pray that God would fill you with hope. And if you need to give your life to Jesus, good news, he's there. And he's here in this moment. And he wants to meet with you. And all you have to do is call on his name. Romans 10 says, all that call in the name of the Lord, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This hope that you can find in Jesus, you will find today. So Jesus, we put our trust in you today. We put our faith in you today. We put our hope in you today. God, we pray that you would come and meet with us today. Lord, those that have been drawn here today and they're asking and questioning their faith, God, I thank you, Father, for moving in our midst. I thank you for strengthening our faith. Thank you for filling us with hope, God, that we have hope in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just come forward if you need prayer for anything as Kara leads us in this worship. information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.